Hello and welcome to another episode of Digital Economy 101 podcast. I'm your host Dino Oreshki and my guest is Sinan Giller, former professional basketball player and now social entrepreneur and angel investor. The episode is titled Sports Tech Unleashed, The Bowl Story. Sinan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. You know, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Thank you. Uh, uh, you have a lot of stuff on your plate. You are developing a very cool app called Bully. And mm-hmm. what, what is Bully and how does Bully affect and impact the way athletes train, connect and compete? Bully is a gamified connect, connect, uh, social app that is connecting, um, in a sense, street sports like 3x3 basketball and give opportunity to, to people to play together. Um, when we start talking about bully and what could happen, I was part of a hackathon called, or uh, organized by a company called GameFed, and we were building gamified solutions to our own problems with university students. And getting together with the team, we managed to figure out a good path on creating an app that is kind of implementing communities to play together on the street level. Um, our goal is not on the professional side of things, and hopefully we will create opportunities for kids who play on the street to become 3x3 basketball players. And that's a different path that, you know, I think that's missing in Turkish basketball. especially. Um, but at the same time, it's a growth opportunity for us in building communities. And we would like to also have a chance to create an impact around the facilities that we see by giving the chance to the athletes to comment and rate the fields and the courts that they play with the lighting, the floor, the how the nets are and what is necessary so that they can actually um, create an impact by making those connections. Oh, that sounds really cool. So it's basically all about sports and uh, communities. That That's the main goal. Um, and what, what we see is professional level and amateur level is kind of creating a lot of gap. And we would like to bridge a, build a bridge around that gap. Perfect. That, that, that sounds awesome. Um, can you share your own personal insights? How did your... T- the transition transformation from being a professional athlete and now you are um you have moved and you are now social entrepreneur and angel investor you know that's not something that is usual <laughs> um, i i think in europe it's less common that's for sure and i got really curious about building my own business i think around 2010 with the world championship and our business, Güler Legacy, organizing summer camps and corporate training programs became a social entrepreneurship immediately. So we we try to invite athletes from cities that does not have the same opportunities as Istanbul has for free to our camps and give them a chance to build a vision that basketball might help them create. Um, most of the players that participate in our camps do not become professional basketball players, but they end up 
creating a life for them that they did not envision in their own opportunities. Um, and that's helped me understand what's going on in the investment side of things. And I saw angel investing as a tool that's a risky business, but at the same time, an alternative basket for me to create wealth for me and my, for my family while sharing my experience with up and coming startups and founders of those startups and add value to their value proposition. Mm -hmm. So basically you work together with those entrepreneurs and together with them, you are creating uh, their own path, their own story in, in digital economy. That is correct. And we may say that you are a leader now talking about it. Uh, you have a lot of experience. You have played uh, both in Turkish club and, and for the national team. How does how did that shape you as a, as a person and uh, your approach to leadership and, and to teamwork? Was it helpful? Um, it was quite helpful. My My main goal as an athlete was to become like a leader without talking much. So I was, you know, running, being the one first one to run. Um, I was trying to be an example on what I do on the court more than what I say and do. But of course, with age and with, you know, health mm -hmm. problems that that comes, um, I, I, of course, with that experience, I start share my stories more and more. But in the end, in a sense, both on the court and off the court, you know, getting the role of a team captain helps me understand what needs to be done, how to communicate with people in a more transparent way, and how to actually understand my own role on the team as a captain in order to in order to succeed as a team instead of individual goals and aspirations. I see. Was it was it challenging then for you? I mean when you're a team captain of a Turkish national team in, in, in basketball, that's a pretty big deal. And con congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. You you were so basically you had uh, a constant talk with the basketball association, with your coach, with your teammates, with press, with basically everyone. And you had to fill in a lot of shoes and you had to wear a lot of hats then. Uh, was was that the challenging period for you? Uh, it, it's a, it's a challenge to learn for sure. Um, but at the same time, it, it's a challenge that I accepted and kind of dove in head first. Um, when you know when the coach and the management gives you the privilege to become a captain of a team, it's it's a responsibility, not only as a player to show a good example on what the team expects from us, but at the same time, create a bridge around management and the coaches with uh, towards the team as well. Um, that needs transparency, that needs a lot of listening skills, and that also needs a lot of, I don't know, I don't know if politics is the right word, but <laughs> the, now when I look past, I I did become part of a lot of politics in teams and national team that I was part of. But at the same time, I realized that's kind of like game theory right now. So uh, understanding what the agenda of the club, 
the management coaches and my teammates um it was a it was like building a unbuildable puzzle and figuring out the right way to way, ways to do it and next to that there were a lot of medals a lot of trophies um you also won the slam dunk championship in 2010 mm. which which is also awesome uh you know usually uh, you don't have a team captain winning such uh, prizes. <laughs> you, you usually have a guy that is good at something, like slam dunking, for example, and you have yeah. bo- both angles. Now, coming back to the uh, digital economy part of the thing, um, uh, what lessons have you learned from basketball that you are translating and uh, using uh in some shape or form in your business ventures um i think the best best thing to talk about is like team building and the chemistry around it um that's the hardest part when you're becoming a startup getting investments and you're kind of expanding your team to a point where you're scaling um i think that's the hardest situation that we see most of the time so building that team, building confidence in each person who participates in that team, um, I'm trying to share as much as as of an experience that I can. Um, on the other side, being an athlete, even though like the career itself is kind of short term, it's an ongoing process of keeping yourself healthy and improving on your talents and abilities. So it needs a lot of humble approach of what you are capable of doing and talking with founders and sharing that experience is also, I find quite valuable. And how does the market react then? For example, when a startup becomes a scale up, then of course uh, we are talking a lot of figures here. Uh, a lot, a lot of money is involved and uh, yeah. usually finders uh, found them, find themselves then in a situation which is relatively new for them. Um, do you then like guide them through the process or do they have uh, different, let's say business coaches that are helping them? How, how does this process then work? Um, it, it changes with each person. Um, I'm I'm not fully aware of what I'm capable of in, in that sense at the moment. I'm learning since I retired about a year ago, I'm learning all the skills and what I bring to the table in the soft skill side of things um, at the moment. And it's an ongoing process for me. So this transition is helping me understand what kind of impact I'm going to do and how I'm going to build relationships with my past investments and my current and my future investments. And it's going to take some time. Um, Currently it's a two way street. So if the startup founder or the team expects some kind of help from me, um, they should, they should communicate that Um, at the same time on my side as well. If, I need something from the startup founders as far as their experience goes or something else. Uh, it's the same thing. They, I, I should be communicating that in order to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And the core focus is financing small business ventures, let's say. And Bolly is one of those ventures. Um, do you have a team 
like a like a dedicated team de- which is developing go-to-market strategies which is developing new features in backend meaning programming stuff or do you work with uh, outsource partners and uh let's say building an ecosystem of experts here um i think outside of bully the ecosystem part is something that i'm quite curious about and i'm learning how to how to create the steps to building that ecosystem um but for bully other than backhand we do everything in house the team is quite um quite successful in that side and but we are outsourcing backend talent and requirements at the moment mm-hmm. and when we come to the part of of a uh, social entrepreneurship uh yeah. that, that that both come both comes hand in hand uh you know with what you do um how open are you for new knowledges for example hr knowledges team leadership knowledges um and why is this important for any venture capital startup or 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 private equity founding startup whatever the the case may be why is it important for the founders to uh, for for them as a person uh to be in the right mindset at the right time at the right moment to say okay I am not that good in managing people. I'm not that good at managing money. I'm not that good in whatnot. I do need help here. Uh how 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 do they get uh, across that let's say stubbornness? Like I'm the CEO, I know what's right. Well, usually you don't. <laughs> um, first of all, I think what is right is constantly changing and including me. Uh, we should all accept and embrace the change and at the same time find small mistakes and find find small failures that we that could improve us um learning is an ongoing process and as i said you know my transition right now is quite easy to explain um i know what kind of basketball player i could be and i can explain it in a clear sense um but i do not know how that resonates on the outside of the court so this is what i'm trying to do learn right now i have the soft skills to explain my experience and how to tell that story but i don't know what kind of teammate i am when there's a computer in front of me and what kind of um accountability that i can create uh, that's a story that i try to share with founders but I, again this would be something that is that should be asked from their side I couldn't just go to them and say hey you're being stubborn you have to do this and that that would be really arrogant um but for me that building that relationship not only with the founder but at the same time the team itself because no matter what happens no matter the organiz- organizational structure is everyone in a team should be equal in value not in the financials case but for the input that they put into the gov- company Okay and what about the the, the part of uh, as you have mentioned before this systematic social approach uh, to the app development uh, it itself um for example bolly started for uh, streetball which is awesome very very po- popular thing 
do you guys plan to expand to other sports, uh, other uh, geolocation regions? Yeah, for sure. We we're looking global. Um, I have a I have a close partner of mine uh, that we are focused on finding born international startups. Even though uh, Boli is born in born in Turkey, we're trying to figure out the easiest path to gain traction on the on the global side, and that's not an easy approach. Um, you know, language barriers, culture barriers, knowing what to expect with with the customers of different countries. That's going to take some time. I think that our team needs to prove themselves in Turkish market for about the next six to 12 months first before understanding what we can do outside. Um, that's one thing. Uh, on the other side, different sports is definitely a goal, but we want to stay on sports that are almost non-professional. We don't want to go into, you know, team volleyball, team basketball, team football. We want to, we want to focus on three X three. We want to focus on maybe futsal or beach volley or some kind of, iteration of that uh so that we can build close relationship with the community that we're involved in so in in a nutshell you're learning skills to be able to empower yourself when the time comes for for the new activities yes and let's say um uh just for my benefit and for audience's benefit um how popular exactly is street basketball now worldwide i think the biggest thing to talk about is 3x3 basketball is an olympic sport um and they are uh, as of this recording which is the 7th of december um i think this week is the final in riyadh saudi arabia of a world tour that happened in 17, 18 different locations in the world. Um, and if I can share the numbers correctly, um, I think the last year's world tour got a social media impression among different tools of 10 million, I believe. Um, so it is a growing sport and it's not only creating opportunities for those athletes who could not become five on five players to become professional, to make a living out of this um, and to make a name of themselves to promote. But at the same time, it's creating a lot of smaller communities to share their heritage, their history. So I think that's a, that's a quite fun thing to experience. Um, if I may say, you know, Holland, for example, Netherlands, they are not the best basketball team in Europe, but following Serbia and Latvia, I think they are among the top four or five teams in Europe in three X three basketball, Mongolia, never, never seen them anywhere in world cup or participation in like that in five on five basketball right three x three this year they won a world tour event they have they have one of the teams that is that has the most investment into the sport so um we're not gonna and i i must say you know usa is always leading the pack um since basketball is born out of there and 
we're going to see a lot more growth along the way. So it's it's quite easy for you the, then to get the press coverage for for Bully as uh, uh, as you have mentioned uh, a lot of people are playing yeah. street, uh, street basketball streetball. Um, what about those apps uh, and uh, those startups that uh, are not on that social media wave? Let's say that are you know uh, doing something which is not then very well known. Um, what's what, what what's your advice how do they get any press coverage to find investors of course to find new users to find new market i think you know building an organic story around the app and the technology that they're building um is going to create a slow slow progress and loyal progress as well um you know press coverage and reach can be bought with financial gains but you need an investment for that if you're a startup um so that's the one thing i think most of the most of the time what happens in turkey is going through incubation centers accelerators or events similar to those in order to it's tell the story uh tell the story of what's what could happen for the startup and tell a tell the idea and the value proposition um I think that's the that's the best way to do it for now. Um, and at the same time, from what I see, believing in your own story um, and telling that story as well is quite quite good. And by by definition, social entrepreneurship is uh, creating positive changes with some shape or form if it's basketball uh if it's sports in general or if it's culture or or if it's anything so uh those are let's say unmarked fields for yeah. something that is not yet commercial but could be potentially very very uh, commercial and then we come to the pivoting part okay we may have started as an app for example for streetball but we see that uh, i don't know uh, uh fishermen are using our app that uh, ballet dancers use our app uh how hard is it then for a startup that let's say got a venture capital or private equity capital or whatever how hard is then for them to to move and to change their way of thinking and to go into the pivoting phase okay we have started creating product A, but we see a hell of a lot of more opportunity developing product B. Are our founders usually willing to take that step or are they afraid? Um, I think startup stage is an easy place to understand pivots and how to build a business in a lean process. It's not easy psychologically, uh but um one of the ground rules that should be set should be set around saying that hey if this doesn't work we need to give up this idea and move towards something that works and that's not only that 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 can't be just knowing your customer but knowing what works so it's a balance of what you provide and what your customer needs and how you provide that connection that and that's that's not an easy thing to do, to be honest. 
but at the same time as a founder and a, the team around it they need they need to be ready to understand what doesn't work and being ready to create opportunities to see what what could work right so they 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 have to be open to to, to new things um yeah now as a as a former professional athlete and uh, again now you have moved you have pivoted yourself <laughs> and your personality in a way um what advice would you give to young uh, entrepreneurs and to young athletes that uh, uh, who, who aspire to play at a professional level so how do one get from you know developing an app on uh, uh on his sofa and uh, playing basketball and having big dreams um what's your word of advice oh, i think what led me to this point is kind of curiosity and understanding failures are a path to learn um and i wouldn't mind um figuring out similar to startup programs of accelerators um i am hoping that i'm going to be a part of educational programs that's helping athletes understand what kind of opportunities that startup investing in startups have um i i i was part of an erasmus plus project in the past where we created video modules on teaching entrepreneurship how to become a mentor how to invest in startups and the details surrounding that um and i would like to expand on that opportunity to teach more um i must say you know angel investing is quite risky and no one should invest more than 10 15% of their own wealth so that they can make mistakes out of it to learn um i invested over um 30 startups over the past 10 12 years and i'm i can probably say almost half of them either failed or they're stuck in their own uh level and they're going to be lifestyle business and that that path of learning continues it's not fun to lose money but at the same time it's helping me understand what i could do for the startup to grow um either physically or financially and if someone's curious about this it's a learning progress and i'm i'm free to help any athlete who are curious on learning this path um okay well i i i i got curious now so uh if you say that uh 50% of investment uh basically is a failure and that is a lot less than you usually get because if you look of uh US startups for example from San Francisco Silicon Valley or or from uh Texas now Houston um uh i believe it's 97% 97 exactly it's 97% of them that fails so if 50% fails well we may say that we are successful <laughs> um i i think you're right you know not, you know normally 
the formula is kind of for the VCs and angels, the same thing, angel networks, mostly um, 10 to 20 startups. If you invest, one should be the one that kind of saves all the money that you invested in. Um, for me right now, you know, I know the failures is around 15 to the 30 startups that I invested in over the past 10 years. Um, but I'm not going to say all the other 16 have or 15 have been quite successful. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's all boiled down, boils down to the statistics, just like in basketball. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Great stuff, Sinan. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Maybe to share some insights. When, when can we expect uh, Bali in other countries? Because, uh, yeah, of course, you have mentioned that, okay, we start slowly, but, uh, you know, um, when will I be able to use Bali in Zagreb, for example? Uh, um, is it in actually, <laughs> actually because a year because um, I will share the link with you. And if you want, you can add it to the show notes um, when you have the time. Um, I think that's because of my educational program right now that I'm in Amsterdam, we actually opened up the the app to European Union countries to try it out. Um, but it, it, we might need a few days before the language barrier kind of gets over and we add English and other languages that we have in planning. Um, aside from that, you know, we don't really ha have full support on the courts and everything, we might need connections and ambassadors in order for other locations to grow. But if we can make it organically happen, I'm more than happy for any help that could come our way. Okay, perfect. We'll do. And uh, to all of your listeners, you will find the link in the show notes. Sinan, thank you very much. And many thanks to you too. Hope you have enjoyed the episode. Please do click subscribe and do follow the channel because we have new episodes coming out soon.